really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. We believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. to God as well and we know as a church we as all churches right throughout the world uh, Peter says sometimes you face these fiery trials and sometimes you feel you face them alone don't you but Peter writes to the church and says listen brothers and sisters right throughout the world are facing these same trials but it's also good to recognize the blessing in the hand of God his protection his provision his power at work in our lives so a couple of people are going to come and give testimony today. So Faith, Grace and Lee are going to come and give testimony of how God's been working. Don't look surprised. It's like we arranged this last week. You know, this is a, come on. People look surprised when I tell them what, what it was they'd already agreed to do. Chris, you're coming as well. And Lee. So Lee says to me this morning, I have a testimony sometime. I said, oh, that's great. We're having a testimony time this morning. Oh. <laughs> so, you know. Well done, come forward. Come forward, yeah. We've we'll, we'll, lots to do. Kids, it's important for you to realize as well that when the adults come and they're sharing something of their story, you may have something as well that, that God's done in your life this week uh, that you have received answers to prayer. You can share as well. Lee, we're going to let you go first, but remember there's two others, and I've got to preach, so short and sweet. Yeah, well. Like you. Don't start. I've got a heart monitor on, so don't start. <laughs> I'm just glad they found a heart. <laughs> Lee and I have an understanding. Anyway, last four weeks have been pretty horrendous for me. I've had three mini strokes. Um, but anyway, I won't give you the ins and outs and everything. But um, when I was, um, there, like I said, I don't do scans, I don't do hospitals, don't do doctors, don't do anything, bloods or anything. Anyway, I've had a lot. Um, obviously, Bill was with me every step of the way, which he always is, which is... Um, but anyway, I had all them, anyway, things. They're still testing me as with the heart monitor and everything. But anyway, I had these, which, like I say, it took all my left side. It's really, really s scary. But anyway, I come through the other side... But I was when I got up to the ward, there was all right. <laughs> when I when I got up to the ward, there was like obviously stroke people on the stroke ward, um, waiting for scans. I got like six weeks, even though a lot of them couldn't speak. And they were waiting for scans and CT scans and things like that. And uh, the nurse said to me, she went, "How have you got MRIs, two CT scans, while you was down in A and A?" Because people's waiting a long time for those um, for those scans, and I had everything while I was there, so very lucky. And uh, this, this is another story. I'm not going to say it today, but Bill came to visit me, and he ended up on maternity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's another story. Yeah, that is another story. <laughs> so before you go, we're going to pray for you. Going to pray for Lee. We thank God for protecting her and keeping her. As you can see, it hasn't affected her speech. Um, so we're going to pray for a complete healing. Give us your hand. 
So, Father, we, we thank you for your hand of protection. Well, we thank you for the provision, just even of all the scans. And, and yeah, we pray that you would extend your hand and just bring complete healing and restoration. We ask for your kingdom to be demonstrated in Lee's life, that not only will it be a testimony of being preserved and being protected and the provision, but, Lord, a testimony of complete healing where they find nothing wrong and that every area of weakness would just disappear from her body. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you, Lee. We love you. We thank you for your service. But I have to wear glasses full time now, so it's affected my eyes a little bit. But obviously, God thought I looked more, more stunning in them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no answer to that. Uh, I've got two things to testify about. So uh, this is with regards to my master degree that I've been doing. So uh, in the month of May, I had terrifying news that I had failed about six of my modules, and I had to reset all of them. And if I hadn't, uh, if I didn't clear those subjects, um, I would have to go back to India, and uh, that would mean the end of all of the vision that I had and everything that I planned for. So um, in, the, in the beginning of May, we had a plan with a student counselor. So the student counselor rang me up and he said, OK, you'll have to clear all of these six subjects, even to um, start doing your dissertation, even to be allowed to do your dissertation. And um, you know, during that time, it was really difficult for me because it is uh, within my skill set. The master degree that I'm doing is computer science. And it is within my skill set. But still, for some reasons, because of the different curriculum, different way of teaching, and all of that, of my own grasping of the subject, uh, I didn't know how to go about it. Uh, and I was praying throughout that process. And I even remember one time, Grace in the car, she said, uh, you know, one time, uh, when she was studying her mathematics, mathematics was her worst subject. And but the Lord uh, told her that um, you know he she has the mind of Christ and she uh, can learn mathematics and that she will excel in mathematics. And that really encouraged me. And from that day, I said, okay, I have the mind of Christ. Uh, nothing in this world is uh, beyond Him. He has all of the knowledge. And I started preparing and. Um, on the 9th of November, I got my results for all of my modules, and I cleared five out of six, gave me enough credits, <laughs> which, which gave me 105 credits out of 120, which was enough to do my dissertation um, in the month of January. And that gives me safe haven right here in the UK. Yeah. Praise God for that. Thank you. Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, okay. Um, so I'm just going to, there's a brief story leading to my testimony. And um, this was sometime in September. Um, I was doing some prayer and fasting, and the Lord said to me, He said, The New Life Church is a healing place for His people. And as you come, open up your hearts to receive it. The heaviness in our spirit, the Lord is taking away. The people in difficulty and tight situation, I'm shining my light into your hearts, homes, and know that I'm here. 
And before then, God had actually placed upon my heart that the church, people were going to start coming into the church. And people were coming, are coming to experience God. And not just expressing by words, they wanted to experience his physical manifestation. My testimony, um, I think it was in October, I said I'd gotten bored of my job and I felt that I wasn't using my skill set enough. I wasn't being, ch- I was doing well. I got confirmed, I've only been here by, by a year and a month. I was confirmed, doing well. But I got bored, and I felt that I wasn't challenged enough. So I said it out loud. I said, you know what, I want a new job. I think once I was in Michelle's car, and I said I want a new job. And she's like, oh, then go for it. Um, I said it to a few people as well. Um, I then started applying for new roles in uh, probably October. I started applying actively, not because my job was giving me any stress. I started applying, and a couple of rejections here and there, but I wasn't too bothered because I had a job that was pretty good and decent. So I just kept applying. I remember applying to this particular company, and the following day they had sent me a rejection letter to say, we're impressed with your skill set and your experiences. We're sorry we'll not be moving forward with your application. And I didn't take it bad either. I just said, fine, but I actually told God what I wanted. I said I wanted to work in an international organization. I wanted any certain amount, and I wanted to go into, I'm a procurement specialist, and I wanted to go into IT procurement. That was what I told God. And so about a month after, I got an email from the HR of the company saying that the RE manager wanted to interview me. We scheduled the interview. Then a day before, they sent me an email saying they wasn't feeling fine, they would like to reschedule. Okay, that we should speak sometime next week to schedule another date. I said, fine. So um, they reached out to me again, we scheduled a date. At the team's interview, I was able to, you know, I just went, I went in looking for a job. My goal was I wanted an interview to, t- to test my knowledge. So getting a job was icing on the cake. Mine was to go out there apply and test my knowledge and make sure that I'm still relevant in the market. Um, so I had this car, um, the interview. It was supposed to last an hour. We ended up spending one hour, 30 minutes. Um, all along, I'd been praying for God to just speak through me. And the interview went on and said, oh, in two weeks' time, we would we'll, we'll contact you. We'll let you know. Exactly a week after, I got an email saying, you know, that gone through the first stage, they would like to proceed to the other stage. And tentatively, we had a date, which was October 30th, for the 31st, sorry, for the interview. And I agreed to it, so I had to go into London. And here I was interviewing with the regional and the RE manager all over again. And we started the same questions pretty much. They grilled me. <laughs> they grilled me. And, you know, I said, fine, you know, Lord. I've gone for this interview. And so I remember at the first interview, sorry, before, let me just, sorry, Dave, this is a bit long. Um, so <laughs> I'm sorry because I really want to encourage someone. And I think that's a couple of messages I got also still placed on my heart. And when I applied for the job, 
I didn't see that the road said I had to be German speaking. I don't speak German. I didn't see that the road required an SC clearance, which because I haven't been yet five years in continuous residency, that would be a flag. Or I'm not a British citizen either. So I'd applied blindly. And that's really acting on faith. So I remember the first interview I said to the guy, I said, I don't speak German. <laughs> He said, what other language do you speak? I said, I don't speak any, but French, because of my work, I'm able to deduce meanings out of some of the writing. He said, fine, that's fine. You know, you don't have to and everything. So I said, fine. So when the second interview came, I did, you know, finished, and um, I came back. I remember after the first, before, after the first interview, not before the first interview, the people had prayed for me, literally. It was a short prayer. I'm trying to remember her name, but I'm not going to call names. <laughs> it was a short prayer, and, you know, I went, and God went with me. So the second interview came, did it, and they said, oh, we'll, um, we'll get back to you in two weeks. Three days after, they called me, and they're like, oh, good news. The RE manager, the regional man managers are really impressed with you. You know, they like to proceed forward. They started asking questions, and I told them again, I'm like, you know what? With the XSC clearance, I don't know if I'm going to go through it. They're like, oh, okay, you know, I'll speak to my manager, I'll get back to you. They spoke to their manager. Um, so they kept on calling back and forth. And three days later, she sent me an email with good news. So I called, I'm like, what's the news? You've kept me in suspense for about three days now. <laughs> and she's like, you know what, you got the job. I'd actually said a particular salary. They added about 15000 on it. <laughs> And you know what? I was still in doubt because I thought, okay, before I, they sent me the offer letter and the contract, I signed it, sent it back to them. They sent me the starter pack, and I saw the SC clearance form on it. I'm like, Lord, <laughs> yes, SC clearance. I'm just going to pull the details out. I don't know. But you know, the, the enemy is so wicked because there's still part of me that there was still that fear. What if? You know, and I said, no, I said, God's testimonies are sure. Um, God doesn't do our big stuff. I told God what I wanted. This was an answer to my prayer. Signed the contract, sent everything to them. I've got my resumption date. Everything seems, everything is fine, literally. Everything is fine. And that goes back to... When God spoke to me in September, wanting the New Life Church to be the healing place for his people. I have seen the physical manifestation of God in New Life Church. I've seen prayers, not by Dave or any of the members, being answered. I've seen joy. Fear has gone. Amen. I'm not saying everything is perfect, but I'd rather have this as my perfection but than being the word. So, I know that God is saying to all of us, we have to go out there and tell people, come and taste and see what the Lord has done. I feel that as a church, God is leading us 
I remember when I came to New Life Church, and one of the Fridays we were praying, and for some reason I just saw like a. It wasn't. It was like a level on this level, <laughs> and I said, "How wonderful will it be to just have people come into this place and be filled?" I, did, I haven't shared this with anyone, but this was just in my thought. And so every Wednesday when we come for the Cosmic Comic, and I see new children coming, I'm always very excited <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, for every one person that comes, that means that the vision is manifesting. And even with the screams and everything, there's a certain joy that comes with that. And, you know, God is showing us through the ministries through the church, through, through the cosmic comic, through the school ministries, that really people are hungry for God. You know, and people want to come and say, This is what I'm going through. And you show them God and experience God immediately. This is someone coming in and they're just saying, I'm sick. And you pray for them, they get their healing. This is someone coming in and saying, I'm going through this. And, you know, you share what with them and they get their peace. And I feel that that's what God is calling us as a church. We don't have to wait for the leaders. Like I said, there was a prayer of agreement on this job. And it wasn't from Dave or any of the leaders. It was just from a church member. I'm sure she never probably thought. <laughs> but you know what? God is working and God is here. And really, the New Life Church is a healing place for Christ. And every day when you come, just let God do his work. And just open up your heart. It's not requiring anything of us. He just wants us to come in and plug into it. And this is my encouragement. Because I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good in the New Life Church. I've been a Christian for a very long time. But I can testify that I've seen and tasted that the Lord is good in the New Life Church. And God is truly here. Thank you. So, Father, we thank you for testimonies that give glory to your name. Lord, as we come to your word in a few minutes, we pray that there would be that healing transformation in our lives that our hearts would be open to what you have to say to us this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Why don't we take a moment to, to welcome one another, uh, to say hello, as we've often done uh, in the last couple of months. If you need prayer uh, during the welcome time, just ask someone to pray for you. If you'd like to pray for someone, then offer to pray for someone. And if they're open to that, uh, I'm sure they'll let you do it. So, uh, let's say hello to one another. Kerry is actually taking the kids out this morning. So in a couple of minutes, she will come and be the Pied Piper and do all this necessary. So let's get up, say hello, offer a prayer, or receive prayer. Okay, Kerry, why don't you come and organize this with the kids? Sue wants to share a little bit of a testimony in a minute as well, following on from faith, but if you come, if you organize what's happening with the kids and... Okay, so the children, as you know, normally stay in, but today we are going through to the ark. If there are any visiting children and they've got any allergies or anything that you need to let us know, please let us know. 
Um, we are going to be thinking over there about prayer. We're thinking about how important prayer is. We're going to be praying for each other. We're going to be thinking about communication. The children will bring home a little prayer journal. So parents, can I really encourage you to encourage your children to pray in whatever way suits them best, but to try and fill this prayer journal in so that over the week they realize how important it is to come before God in prayer. So we're going to go, sorry, out the back. So children, don't go without me. Just line up by the door and then we'll go. Thank you. Excellent. Come on, Sue. You do need no, the mic. I don't. We need it I'm for the vine. I know you, technically you may not need the mic, Sue. But for the sake of the stream and stuff, we do. So I just wanted to just, just to say and encourage each another about Wednesday prayer group. Um, <laughs> so this week there was something, there's a big change in our house with one of the children and most of the time I'm, I'm, I'm muted as pastor. No, I've got the video on, uh, off and I'm cleaning bottoms in the toilet or feeding or, or something and and it's that's how it is because you just have to get on it's the wrong time and we, I, I went on to the Wednesday prayer group and it's very hectic at home at that time it's dinner time sometimes I'm driving to cosmic here with the earphones on so it's difficult and um, Grace, she concentrated that day on children, at, and Grace didn't have a clue what's been happening. I didn't speak to her or anything. There's no time in the week, and it was so encouraging, and I, when we finished, I messaged my friend, and I said, look at what Grace concentrated on and what's been happening with the change at home. So I just wanted to encourage everybody, if you can join that half an hour, it's just half an hour on Wednesday on Zoom. You can be doing anything, but we're praying still. It's, it's so encouraging because we all, as Faith said, we all, I don't know, somehow connected because she didn't know about it and she focused on children on that half an hour. So. Thank you, thank Sue. You. We appreciate that. Bless you. Yeah, so as Sue was saying, just for practical reasons. That's nice. He didn't want anything? Just giving you a hug? So Wednesdays, um, we, we do a half an hour Zoom prayer, quarter past five to quarter to six. As Sue said, practically, she can't always be on screen uh, and she's on mute, but she's in the background as we're praying, as she uh, interjects as well and stuff like that. So uh, if you can make that, even if you're traveling back, you can use your headphones. Dilly does that sometimes, we know as well. Just a concentrated prayer to be part of that. The interesting thing when you look in the, in the, the book of Acts, the, the church met daily to pray. They, they did. They, they had that commitment to pray. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a moment as well. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We pray your blessing on us as we turn to it. We pray that you'll speak truth and life into us, that where we're encouraged, that, that we will take action, that where we're challenged, we'll take actions. God, come and just bring transformation into our hearts, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I wonder what you would consider to be some of the defining moments of history in the last 40 years. I, I thought of some, it depends uh, what country, what continent you come from uh, as to what you'll consider, but fall of the Berlin Wall, communism kind of 
monarchy in Finlandia in Eastern Europe. Nelson Mandela's freedom. I remember watching that on, on television and then when he was mid-president. The invention of the internet, uh, both good and bad. Remember your first email? Yeah. 9-11, the attack on Twin Towers. That changed a lot. That changed history. The DNA discovery and explanation of that, what they know now through DNA is absolutely incredible. AI as a real force, some of the, the risks with that that are happening, but also some of the benefits uh, that come with that as well. More recently, Hamas's attack on Israel, that will define what happens in Israel for a generation. No doubt about it, we need to keep praying for that. There are defining moments in history, and we could continue on. There's, there's whole books about them and blogs about them and all of that kind of thing. And I want to speak what I feel is one of those messages that I want to share with you over the next two Sundays. So it's a theme, th theme and we're going to split it in two. And it's really this idea of becoming a spiritually dynamic church. I, I believe for me that this message is prophetic into new life, but it's also strategic. I know as we head in December, we get incredibly busy. Um, we can sometimes put strategic things in the back burner. So that's why I wanted to speak into this now over the next two weeks. So we put those seeds in our heart. So that when we come to the prayer and fasting, we're, we're already in tune. And, and for me, this is really birthed out of my vision for ministry. Can you believe that in April, I'll be here five years isn't that gone like that? It's incredible. Uh, and so I want to share for some of you who have come in since that time, a little bit of stuff that's, that's quite personal for me. Some of the key words, some of you will have heard some of these before. But, but I believe part of my vision for ministry is, is seeing an active and responsive church. I don't believe in church that's passive. Everywhere I go, uh, I'm preaching with passion, I'm preaching with zeal. Sometimes people have said, are you angry? And it's like, no, don't mistake my, my passion for anger. It's not the same. You know I'm angry when I go quiet. <laughs> that, that's when you worry. Not when I'm shouting at you or calling you or, or making fun of you. That's not when you worry, trust me. But for me, the reason for ministry and for a church is that you're, you're responsive and you're active. I, I don't think we're meant to be passive as Christians. I don't think we're meant to be passengers in the church. Paul says in, in Romans 12, keep your spiritual passion serving the Lord. I believe that's what God wants for us. And I believe that's my heart. And that's why I preach the way I do. I'm preaching for a response. I'm preaching for action. It's not always comfortable. I understand that. But that's part of what I, I believe. Because church is not like a Christian takeaway. It's not like where you come, you get fed, you say, thanks very much, pay your money and go. Church is not a Christian takeaway. You are meant to come with a commitment to community. You are meant to come with an involvement. You are meant to come not to be fed primarily, but actually to be used by God. Paul says that when you come together, someone has a hymn, a psalm, a word of encouragement, a word of instruction. But unfortunately, in, in the modern era, what we have come is we have a lot of churches where people come as consumers. Feed me, feed me, feed me. And if it's not to their liking, they find some, some other restaurant 
that they think will feed them. But that's not what church is meant to be. You're meant to come bringing something like the guys have today. You're meant to come not only saying, feed me, but actually, I have something to contribute. That requires us being active and responsive. I believe in the word word and the spirit. If it's only the word, it just gets boring. Let's be honest. It just gets dry. We need the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit who brings life. But we need the balance of that together because we need to grow up. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians 4, that we need to grow up into Christ. And for many people, part of that growing up is that they need to change their mindsets. If you're fed up because you haven't changed in your life, and you've been in church any length of time, I can guarantee you, it's probably not that you need to pray or fast more. Some of you might. But for most of you who are sincerely trying to follow Jesus, it may be not that you need to pray more or fast more. It's that you need to change your thinking. It's that you need to change your mindsets on what you believe about yourself and about what God wants to do. So for me, what I'm trying to do is, is bring the, the Word of God and, and preach expositionally, uh, unpacking the Word of God, but preach it in a, a prophetic way and in a way that will challenge you, in a way the times that will make you uncomfortable, in a way that's always calling for a response. And I make no apology for that because this is part of my vision for ministry. It flows on to teaching and training. <clears throat> I believe God has called me to be part of a local church, but he's also given me wider responsibilities, both in the AOG, so I'm part of the area team that looks after some other pastors and leaders. Marbley's one of those. So we'll meet up at times with other leaders and, and for coffee and just talk about church life and encourage one another. But as many of you know, I, I also believe there's an international element to my ministry. And Over years, I've traveled with David and, and others uh, recently. I, I believe in teaching and training. Because it's not simply about me. As Faith said, I didn't pray for It wasn't any of the leaders. It's us as a body praying and encouraging one another. It's my job, my role according to Ephesians 4 is not to do all the work of ministry. It's to equip you to do the work of ministry. You agree with that? Great, I'll I'll remind you of that. (laughs) It is about teaching and training you to do the work of ministry. Because honestly... You grow when you serve. You grow when you serve. That is the best time in your ministry. I believe in equipping and releasing. I've said this before, but as you release me to walk before God, as you release me to do what I'm called to do, and part of that is the international, part of that is the wider beyond the church, as you release me, then then I'm able to release you. And we both benefit The church locally benefits, the church nationally, the church internationally benefits. We have to find our unique gifting and release release each other in it. That's part of why, if if you're talking about your spiritual development, I say to many of you, do your A-pest. And and that's based on Ephesians 4. If you don't know what I'm talking about, talk to me afterwards. But it's those five-fold gifting. You will be called to function primarily in one area. And so it's discovering what is your unique gifting? What are you called to do? What is it that God wants you to do that will benefit the body of Christ? We want to be a church that's equipping and releasing. Many of you know, I don't believe in people jumping through hoops in order to serve. 
You don't have to be here 15 years before you're on the welcome team. Abiola came in the membership last week. She's on the, the welcome team this week. Yeah, come on. You know, someone said recently to me, oh, um, when, I, when I was going into membership of this church, I had to have an interview with two of the elders. I had to go through this course. I had to do this. I had to do that. I'm thinking, really? I, I don't see that in the New Testament. I see the 3,000 were baptized and added to the church straight away. Then you work some stuff out, obviously. But we want to be an equipping and releasing church. So if you're coming here and you're thinking, oh, I can't do that because I'm only here six weeks or I'm only here six months. or you know, Forget it. Get stuck in because we want to equip and we want to release you in ministry. Amen? Amen. That's how the church prospers. That's how the church grows. That's how the church will thrive. A couple of personal things in these last few words. One of the things that I, I felt God say and, and, and with Bev as well is that when we came to the church, that really we should be like a father and a mother to the church. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, and if you want to turn there, you can. We're going to look at a number of scriptures in a minute. But 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Paul has a quite a a challenging relationship with the Corinthian church at some times. Sometimes they, they seem to be for him. Sometimes uh, there's sections of the church that kind of no thanks. And Paul writes to him, he says, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 guardians to teach you about Christ, you've only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you, so I urge you to imitate me. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13, let's, let's pick up at verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, Oh dear Corinthian friends, we've spoken honestly with you and our hearts are open to you. There's no lack of love on our part, but you've withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. And when Bev and I came, we felt that that's what we wanted to do, that, that we wanted to not only just preach and do the professional things of ministry, but we wanted to open our lives and our hearts to you. And, and many of you have seen that you know, I don't get everything right. Sometimes I have to apologize to you. I had to do it again this week. That's normal, huh? Because we get things wrong, don't we? We're human. But I tell you what, I do have a love for this church. I have a love for you in the church, and I want to see the best for you. But I know some of you, there just is that reluctance at times. I sense it. I see it. There's just that reluctance. Well, I'm not sure. Mm, can I trust? Should I get involved? Should I do this? And my appeal to you is open wide your hearts. Honestly, open wide your hearts. Does that mean I won't make mistakes? No. Does that mean I won't have to apologize? No, definitely not. Does that mean you won't have to apologize to me sometimes? <laughs> yeah, it works both ways, isn't it? But... We're coming with hearts of fathers and mothers to you. That's why we speak directly to you. 
Some of you have sat across the table with a coffee from me and thought, okay, I wasn't expecting you to say that. That's a bit tough. But you know it's true. You know it's right. You know it's for your benefit. And so I'm asking you and urging you to open up your heart because if we are going to see the church thrive, if we are going to be a place of, of healing and transformation, it requires our hearts to be open. It requires us to say, do you know what? David's coming as a church leader and as a pastor and says, this is right for me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it even if it's a challenge, even if it's a stretch of faith. Open wide your hearts and let's get stuck in. You know, we live in a fatherless society. We do. And Bev and I have had this conversation many times over the families that she's dealt with and where fathers are missing, then the children suffer. Now, I'm not blaming anyone and I'm not criticizing. We know life is complicated, but I'm also telling you where there isn't the input of a father into his children, something's never quite the same. It's the truth, isn't it? We know that from experience. The same is true spiritually. I'm not coming with all the answers, with all the technical stuff. I get things wrong. Maybe we have to change things at times. That's okay. But I am coming with a heart as a father. And so I'm appealing to you, if there's anything in your heart that's against me or against Bev or against the leadership or against the church, get it sorted. Because the only way you're going to grow, the only way you're going to thrive, the only way you're going to prosper in this place is if your heart is right and your heart is open. And we want to be a place of healing and transformation. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, I heard recently someone said to me, oh, I don't think I'm going to go back to New Life. They're not a member and they're not even regular. They said, I don't think I'm going to come back because David mentions money every week. Yeah. And I, I was a little bit shocked by that, but I thought, yeah, I should mention money every week because it's a spiritual discipline. Uh, in your home, do you think about budgets? In your home, do you think about food? In your home, do you think about bills? Well, if this is our spiritual home, then we all have a responsibility to be giving. We all have a responsibility to serve and to give. And it's not that we have a holiday home in Barbados. It's that we can do more ministry. We've just bought some journals for the kids in school. We're buying some stuff for our own kids as well. We need resources to do ministry. And so when I'm talking to you about those practical things, it's not to give you a hard time. It's not to shame you. It's that we can do more. Paul says about giving, he said, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that there's an overflow. Don't pray that you simply have enough. Pray that there's more grace so you can give more, so you can save more. All of those things, they're important. And I say them as a father. I've, I've had those difficult conversations with my own sons about budgeting and about finances and about planning for the future. We want to do those things and we have to speak in those things because it's right to do it. And I'm speaking out of the heart of a father. Amen? So don't be offended. Final thing is about birthing. I, I kind of wrestled with whether I should say this, and I'm not going to say everything that God's spoken to me, but here's really firmly what I believe. God wants to birth something in this place. 
Thank you, Jose. He does. God wants to birth something that is healing, that is transforming, that is life-changing. And it's not because I'm the leader. I think God has brought me here for a purpose and a reason. But I think God wants to revive the hearts of his people. And I know that word revival is banded about and people use it in very loose ways. But truthfully, I believe this passionately, God wants New Life Church to be revived. I believe he wants us to walk with a revival mentality, with a revival spirit, with something that is passionate, that is active. Where, do you know what? Maybe we have to go to two services. Maybe we have to push that wall out, Ian. But it, that takes resources to do, doesn't it? You know, it, it does all of this stuff. I believe passionately that God wants to birth something in this place that will change lives. But I cannot do it. I can't do it on my own. There isn't enough hours in the day for me to pray. There isn't enough days in the week for me to fast to bring this to birth. It takes all of us. And those of you who know me know I'm not interested in hype. I'm not. I struggle when I go to other countries and, you know, you hear these proclamations and you hear these words and sometimes I'm sitting and I'm dying inside because I think this is just nonsense. This is hype. This is whipping people up. And I'm saying in my heart, Lord, we don't need to whip something up. We need something to come down. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. That's what the prophet said. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. So really, I'm, I'm speaking really from the heart today. Can, can we just come to God and say, God, what do you want to birth in me? What do you want to birth in me? What, what do you want to bring to life in 2024? I, I don't want to go through another year like 2023. I don't want church to be business as usual. Honestly, folks, let's not do business as usual with church. Paul says in Galatians 4 verse 19, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul is saying that he's wrestling with God in this childbirth image. He says, I want you to be in this place of spiritual maturity, that place of spiritual rebirth, that profound transforming nature of what God wants to do, that development of Christ-like character through the work of the Holy Spirit. These are the things that I think God wants to do. These are the things I think God wants to do through my ministry in, here in your life, but I can't do it on my own, folks. So I'm appealing to you, Let's not do business as usual in 2024. Amen? Okay, so here's kind of the, the message bit that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. What are some of the keys to building a spiritually dynamic church? I'm not going to try and do all five today, so don't panic. You will have your roast dinner if there's one in the oven. But over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about all five. These are the five that I think... If we want to be a spiritually dynamic church, these are the things we have to get right. Number one, purity. Number two, prayer. Number three is the prophetic. Number four is power. Number five is his presence. So let's start with purity. Purity. 
We're going to put some scriptures up in this slide and the next. We're not going to read them all for the sake of time. But in Leviticus 19, God reveals himself and he says, I am holy, so I want you to be holy. I am holy, so I want you to be holy. And then that's repeated in the New Testament where, where Peter says, God calls us to be holy because that's the essential nature of God. And the word for holiness that's used, it's there in, in Hebrew and in Greek for those of you who want to look it up and, and go a bit further. But it, it means something very distinct. And I grew up in a world where, a Christian world, where, where holiness meant it's all the things you don't do. It's the list of things you don't do. And truthfully, that changes from culture to culture. So in certain cultures, you know, you have to wear white. In certain cultures, you have to have a certain standard of shoes. In certain cultures, you have to, to speak with a certain volume because the anointed people shout. But if you're quiet, then oh, there's not much anointing on your life because you're not shouting. And some of you are laughing because you know you've been in those environments. And those things are absolute rubbish. They're external. It's nothing to do with holiness. I also grew up in an environment where there were a lot of miserable, unhappy Christians who frowned on people who looked like they might be daring to have fun. You know, black suits, black Bibles, miserable, and God was against everything. God's not against everything. In fact, Paul says in 1 Timothy, God has given us all things richly to enjoy. God's not a killjoy. He wants us to enjoy, but there are boundaries within that. And the word for holiness literally means to be set apart. To be set apart. Just think about it for a minute. If you're born again, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then the first thing he has done for you is given you his holiness and set you apart for him. Your life is not your own. You may act as if it's your own, you may plan as if it's your own, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your life is not your own. And right throughout the, the, the Old Testament and then into the New, there, there is this principle, this pattern that we belong to God, so we are not to be like the other nations. That's what God is saying. We are to live differently. And I'm not going to read all of those verses, but you'll see some of the principles that come out in the next couple of minutes. God says, don't be like the other nations. Don't be like everyone around you. Chris and I were talking this week and we were, we were talking about the nation of Israel wanting a king. And God says, I want to be your king. And they said, no, you're all right, but we want to be like the other nations. And they said, God, God said to them, but this is what's going to happen if you go for a king. He, he's going to abuse you. He's going to do this. He, this is going to go wrong. And they said, no, we still want the king. And God said, okay, you can have a king. And the reason and the motivation, they wanted to be like the other nations. No other reason than they wanted to be like the other nations around them. Just go back one slide, please, Bethany, thank you. And that verse that we mentioned last week, 1 Peter chapter 2, and was mentioned again this morning, we are God's people. We are a holy nation. If we're a follower of Jesus Christ, if we're born again, we belong to him. And in Hebrews 10, let's turn there for a second, because it's just one verse. You can look the others up. Chris and Bethany do a great job so that 
uh, right after the service, all the notes that you see on slide go up uh, on the church website. And next week, I'll, I'll talk about the app. We have our own church app, so you can have it on your phone or have it on your tablet um, as well. We'll talk a little bit more about that. So you can see all these things and look them up for yourself. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel in that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. That's what God's intention is for us. That he puts stuff in our hearts that is not someone else teaching us. That we know what it's right to do because we're in a relationship with God. Uh, King, can I just have my water, please? We are set apart to God. So biblical holiness isn't simply about the external things that we do. Some people have made it that. And if they're doing well, they think they're really holy. And if they don't, they condemn other people. But that changes from culture to culture. That changes from circumstance to circumstance. Holiness is about being set apart to God in the inside. A few months ago, Josie mentioned something, and you may not have heard it, you may have forgotten about it, but it fits in very well with what has been said this morning and, and what Faith said. She shared at the members' meeting last April and said that she saw a vision of the church uh, at the church, and coming from the front wall was this uh, pipe, the water gushed through it. And uh, Josie had that sense that water was pure, it was refreshing, it was cleansing, it was healing. And she said she thought it was originally for her. And, and she kind of talked to God and said, no, th this is for the church. And saying that even though there may be wrestles and there may be doubts and there may be struggles, that actually in new life, there was pure water, there was clean water, there was refreshing and the things that we are trying to do are actually off God. And I took that as a great encouragement because I know some of the things that have been said against my ministry and against the church, and Josie didn't. And so I believe God is wanting to reaffirm there is a, a purity here. There is a, a desire for clean water. There is a place of refreshing if we are willing to allow that to happen. So what are the principles of holiness? I want to give you three simple ones very quickly. Throughout all the Old Testament and the New Testament, the principles of holiness, not, not the legalism, not the tick box, the principles, and that's important, is the removal of idolatry. Any idolatry in our life. In Isaiah 44, he, he paints this ludicrous picture. He says, you cut wood, and with half the wood, you make a fire to cook your dinner. And the other half, you make an idol and you bow down to it and worship and say, you are my God. And Isaiah says, don't you see how stupid this is? Don't you see how ludicrous this is? Psalm 135, the psalmist comes and talks about, you carve idols, you make idols, and then you bow down and you worship them. He says, this is not what God wants for you. And, and even in the New Testament, 1 John 5, verse 12, says, little children, guard yourself from idols. Now, some of you come from a culture where there were physical idols. Some of you come from a culture where that was normal. And if you became a Christian, you had to 
dismantle those idols or burn them or, or do something with them to break any bondages from the spiritual past. Some of you from other cultures are very aware of the spiritual power of idolatry. In the West, it tends not to be so much physical idols, but there are idols in our life. It can be the idol of our career. There's nothing wrong as faith did with praying, God, I need stretched, I need to develop. Another 15,000 isn't bad. We look forward to the tithe on that. Lord bless your faith. I, I hope you've gifted it. Has she gifted it? There's nothing wrong with praying, God bless me. It's a biblical prayer. Jabez prayed it. First Chronicles 4, 19. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territories and keep me from being a pain. I have to be careful who I look at. In case anyone gets offended. But you know what? God says that Jabez, in praying that prayer, was more honorable than all his brothers. It's not wrong to pray for those things. It's not wrong to, to pray that God will bless us. It's not wrong to have a good career. It's not even wrong to have a nice car. And it's certainly not wrong to have children. But all of these things can become idols in our life. Even the church can become an idol when it replaces that relationship with God. Anything that takes the place of trust or the place, place of priority in our life over God himself is an idol. Anything. Children, career, cars, anything. Ministry, busyness, anything that takes the place of God becomes an idol. And if we are going to be a people of purity, God says this very clearly, deal with the idols in your life. I wonder what God is speaking to you now. I wonder what he will say over the next few days. Is there any idols in your life? In some places, the idol can be success in worldly terms. But Jesus never promised us success in worldly terms, did he? He didn't. He said, in this world you will have trouble, trials. But take heart, be encouraged, because I have overcome the world. So it's not that we're going to have an easy life or success in the world's turn because Jesus didn't. So we have to be careful that we don't have this idea of, oh, I, you know, God's blessing me means I'm going to have all the material things. That may not be the success. God wants us to prosper even as our soul prospers. So it's from the inside out. So be careful of idolatry. Second thing is a, a refusal to adopt the customs of the surrounding world. We've heard that one of when they wanted the king and God says, mm, that's not a good idea. No, we think it is. It's not a good idea because this is what's going to happen. But they still wanted the king because they wanted to be like the surrounding nations. They wanted to have the same things as the world. And, and 1 John 2 says to us, do not love the world are the things of the world for the love of the Father is not in them. What do you love? What do you love? And there is man is in that tension because what is okay for us as an individual may not be okay for someone else. What is fine for us to have may be an idol for someone else. So that's why it's not a tick list. It's something that's very internal. One of the things that I think we've adopted in the church generally, not, not this church, is a celebrity culture. A celebrity culture of pastors and of worship leaders. 
doesn't matter who's preaching. It doesn't matter who's leading worship. Do you know in the Chinese church, which has experienced major revival, part of the thing that they ask people to commit to, and they tell people this is important, that you're at church and committed to the Word of God, irrespective of who's preaching. You're not committed to a preacher. You're committed to the Word of God. You're committed to learning and growing and hearing from the Word of God, wherever that comes from. There's a refusal to adopt the customs of this world. Be very careful because it's so easy to creep into the, to the life of the church that we begin to think, oh, if we do that, we'll have some success. If we have this program, if we have this person, if we sing these songs, listen, it's his church. We sang it this morning. We have to focus on what Jesus has done and him building his church, not success in worldly terms. Do we adopt the customs of this world in our life, in our church? Do we say, well, it's okay, everyone's doing it. Or it's okay to watch that program, or it's okay to go to this place. Is it, honestly, are we just adopting the customs of the world? And then the third thing that's a principle, certainly throughout the Old Testament, is this rejection of intermarriage. Now, God isn't racist, okay? God does not show favoritism. He says a number of times in scriptures, God does not show favoritism. So this rejection of intermarrying isn't about race. It isn't about culture. It isn't about color. It's the warning of risk, compromise, and syncretism. Syncretism is is that blending of truth, that blending of religions where people take a little bit of this. I like a bit of Buddhism. I've heard people say to me, I'm a Christian Buddhist. What? The two are polar opposites. Oh, I I like a little bit of this. I I believe I'm very spiritual, you know. I believe Jesus was a good guide. No, Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. There is no blending. There's no syncretism. There's no merging. He is the only way. That's what we preach. That's what we believe. But so often in our life, there can be a syncretism, a a blending, a compromising. And that's why in the Old Testament, it talks about don't intermarry in that way because you will follow the other gods of the other nations. When you blend in, when you marry across this and they have other gods, you will begin to subtly compromise. You will begin to subtly say, "Mm, maybe that's not so bad because you don't want to offend people or you don't want to speak up for the truth. And it's so subtle how we can compromise. It's happening in the UK. It's happened with the Anglican church. God help us. They want to be like the world around them. They want the cult to be accepted in the culture. No, we're not called to accept what the culture believes. Our standard is the word of God. And while that may be unpalatable to some people, we have to reject what Scripture rejects. I don't get to preach what I want. Purity is committing to that relationship with God, with the Holy Spirit as our motivation. And this is so important because if we don't, we get into legalism. If we don't, we get into tick box. If we don't, we get into, well, I'm more holy than that person. Look at them. And that's not what God wants. God wants holiness to encompass all of our lives and our identity. 
Let me say that again. God wants holiness to encompass all of our lives and our identity. So the starting point is that if we're a follower of Christ, we have been made holy the moment we're born again. But the outworking of that is the word that's used in the New Testament, sanctification. That takes all of our lives. The outworking of becoming more and more Christ-like. And the principles of holiness are the things we have to reject. Removal of idolatry, refusal to adopt the customs of the world, and rejection of compromise. The Old Testament prophets say some very serious words. <laughs> Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. Sorry, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 2. I'm going to read this quickly. Jeremiah is speaking at the temple to the people of Israel. The Lord gave Jeremiah another message. He said, go to the entrance of the Lord's temple. Give this message to the people. Oh, Judah, listen to this message from the Lord. Listen to it, all of you who worship here. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Even now, if you quit your evil ways, I will let you stay in the land. But don't be fooled by those who promise you safely simply because the Lord's temple is here. They chant the Lord's temple is here. The Lord's temple is here. I will only be merciful if you stop your evil thoughts and deeds and start treating other with justice. Only if you stop exploiting foreigners, orphans, widows. Only if you stop murdering. Only if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. Then I will let you stay in the land that I give to you your ancestors to keep forever can you see what's happening they say that's okay we have church don't worry i go to church regularly yeah yeah yeah. no i, I prayed a prayer 20 years ago doesn't matter how i live now no the prophet is coming and saying put away your evil ways put away wickedness put away anything that you know is wrong put away anything of compromise in your life if we are going to be that spiritually dynamic church i believe that's a message to us Put away any areas that are wicked and they may not be robbing a bank. They may not be committing adultery. But God may point out something to you. Do you know that attitude's wrong? Do you know what you do in this area? It doesn't honor me. It doesn't please me. God himself may point his finger on something that may be okay for someone else. But God says for you, it's not. Some of you may be sitting here thinking or watching online and thinking, well, well, I'm far from pure. <laughs> what can I do about it? I recognize there's areas of my life where we have good news in the gospel. We have good news in the gospel. We can have a conscience that's sprinkled clean. Do you know that? You can be clean before God. Whatever you've done, whatever you need to turn away from, Hebrews 10 says that the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse us. It can give us a clean conscience. Paul says to Timothy, if a man cleanses himself, he will be a vessel fit for the master's use. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever you wouldn't want other people to know, and God does, he says, if you will cleanse yourself from that, God is willing to use you. God is willing to use you if you will cleanse yourself. Jesus himself said in John 6, 37, he promises not to turn away those who come to him. I had a phone call from a, a completely random person recently, and I, I believe there was some spiritual attack on their life, not from his church, from another area. And they were saying to me, 
I've asked God and, and God's told me I can't come to him. Jesus wouldn't accept me. I said, that's not the voice of God. I don't care what voice you think it is. That's not the voice of God because Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never cast away. I will never drive away. So we need to be people of purity. Amen? Secondly, and to our last point, we'll move quickly on this one. We need to be people of prayer. We do. And that's not about kind of you have to attend every meeting or be part of every meeting, but we have to have a prayer life. And we have to have a, a corporate sense of prayer as well. There's a, a great verse I was studying a couple of months ago, Acts 4, verse 24. Let's turn there because I, I want you to see that's a lovely verse. Acts 4. Verse 24, I'm reading it in the New Living Translation. Peter and John have just returned to the believers after being beaten and imprisoned. And they're returning and telling them all that's been happening. And in verse 24, it says this, When they heard the report, all of the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. You know, the original language is... is of the Bible is written mainly in Greek. Uh, and Greek is a, l- a lovely word. It's got a lot of nuances in the voice that doesn't always come out in English. But here's some of what it means. It means to be in one accord. That, that's old money for some of you, like King James. To be in one accord. It means to be with one mind. It means to be unanimous, unanimous, unanimously together at the same time. I love this one. With the same passion. Isn't that a great thought? We're coming with the same passion. It means to rush along in unison. And it's got an image of an orchestra of musical notes. You know if you've heard an orchestra together and you hit that place where the, the violin's coming in, the flute's coming in, the cello's coming in. and It's all coming together and it makes that beautiful harmony, one, one rising together. And it just makes that beautiful harmonious sound. That's the picture of the church in prayer in the New Testament. Not just once, 10 times it's used of the early church in prayer. And this is what it says, that they're coming together unanimously, raising their voices together with one passion. I love that. You see, that's why we encourage you to raise your voice in prayer. I know for some British people, I'll not say English, British people... You know what I mean. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> For some British people, that's not part of the culture, is it? The, the culture often is church is quiet and reverent, and you bow your head to pray and stuff like that. That may be cultural, but it's not biblical. It's not. And other cultures are far ahead of us in this, where they come together, and there is that orchestra of sound. And you know what? People sometimes say to me, Oh, well, I'm quite self-conscious. Yeah, and that's the problem. (laughs) That's the problem. You're self-conscious. You're not God-conscious. So let's get our eyes off of ourself and onto what God actually says, that we're coming together with the same passion, unanimously to raise our voices together in prayer, in worship, to seek God. Because God says in Scripture, that's where He commands the blessing. It's a no-brainer. And that's why we encourage you to get out of your comfort zone. That's why we encourage you to stretch. That's why we encourage you to to kind of come with that passion, to come to church 
prepared to worship. Not just come rushing at the last minute or even 15 minutes late. If that's happening once, it can happen to anyone. We understand that. But if you're coming 15, 20 minutes late every week to church, there's something wrong. Honestly. Because you wouldn't do it for work. You wouldn't. So why do you do it for God's presence? Why do you do it for church? So let's come together. Let's do that unanimously in unison because that's the God. But not in a hype way because that doesn't work. But in a way that we have come prepared, that we have come with hearts that are passionate for God. Not by the third song. But because we've come with hearts that are passionate, we're ready to worship from the first notes. Is this challenging? Is it right? Thank you. You see, here's what we we need. I don't like hype, you know that. Um, But I I do think we need to grow and develop in this thing of prayer because I think it's biblical. I think it's biblical. I think we need to get back to this culture of being prepared to raise our voice, to speak out, and get out of our comfort zones. It's not a false excitement. I've been in meetings, and you've been in them too, where it's just a false excitement that's worked up, and the crowd's worked up, and it doesn't work. There's no mark of the Spirit of God on it. But there can be an excitement that rises up from a confidence in God. Because 1 John 5, 14, 15 says that we have confidence that if we pray according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. Some of us need to know that we're praying according to his God, God's will and scripture is one way to do that. And when we come together, certainly I think there needs to be a dynamic. I love praying on my own. I go often in prayer walks. Sometimes I get soaked doing it. And I have to change my clothes. I love walking and praying. Uh, but there's, there's a dynamic that when we come together that isn't there on my own. There is. And I want to encourage you that in this place of prayer that we rise up. Because if we're going to see that place of healing. If we're going to see that place of transformation. If we're going to see that place of refreshing. Then it's all of us coming together as one that when we come on a Sunday morning, we're ready. You understand? You know when you come and you're ready for it. And you know when you come in your time, I hope this isn't too long today. I hope he doesn't sing that song I hate. Are we singing another Irish song? No. You know the difference. Can I encourage you that out of that purity that you come with that prayerful passion for God, See, I can't give that to you. I can't. You have to come with that. You have to bring that. I have to bring that for myself. And I can tell you, the greatest gift you can give your church is not your tithe, though it's good and we'll take it. The greatest gift you can give the church is a fully devoted you. A fully devoted you. We need prayer to surround us so that God can do all that work. Here's the, here's the big challenge for us. F- I'm finishing soon, don't worry. Here's the big challenge. The cares of the world. The cares of the world. Jesus said the cares of the world can choke out your spiritual life. Listen, let's just be honest. 
we all have pressures. We all have stuff that's going on in our life. Sometimes we share it, sometimes we don't. But we all have it. We all have things where the enemy is seeking to distract us, we're seeking to overwhelm us, we're seeking to draw things into our life that will stop us focusing God, that will get us to the attitude where we say, oh, I'm a bit tired this morning, or I'm a bit fed up, or I'm a bit discouraged, I'm not going to go to church. That's the exact time when you should be in church, yes? That's the exact time you should be there. And the enemy will come and he will try and overwhelm you with the cares of the world. The cares of the world are always going to be there. And what they do is they choke, Jesus' words, they choke out your spiritual life. Can I encourage you to bring all your cares, as Jesus said, to him. (laughs) In fact, Peter says, cast all your because he cares for you. You can do it. It's a choice. It's a choice that we have to cast our cares upon him, to not be anxious about all those things that we can't change anyhow. 95% of the things we worry about, we can't change. And they never happen. And we are consumed by that. You have a choice to cast your cares upon him and not let your spiritual life be choked. One of the things that, that we're going to do and Grace and I have been talking about is we really want to develop a, a prayer team, a, an intercession team that will covenant to pray daily for the church, for me as the pastor, for the leaders. I know many of you will do that already. We have a little bookmark. If you're doing that and you don't have the bookmark, I'm praying for the, the leaders. I have one in the office I can give you you know what? We need to pray for the church. We need to be praying for breakthrough. We need to covenant that prayer. We need people who are serious about prayer. So I know Grace has spoken to some of you already who seem to have that gift of intercession. And we want to draw that team together so that these are the people that are praying for the breakthrough in the life of the church. Amen? Now, I believe there is a spiritual gift of intercession. We have a handout for that. I can, I can send it to you on signal or by email. If you believe that the prayer or gift of intercession is one of your things, speak to me afterwards and I can make a note and I'll send you it. But also speak to Grace. We're looking for people who are, who are not just saying, oh yeah, yeah, I pray, I pray. You understand? We're looking for people who are going to covenant to pray, who are going to be committed to pray, who are going to say, in the words of scripture, we're not going to give God any rest until he fulfills his word. Because all those words that faith has spoken, that Josie has so spoken, that we've spoken about today, I believe they're of God. I don't believe we've reached our potential as a church, but it's going to take covenant prayer for us to see that in place. And I'm calling on you who have that gift to commit to that and see that. If you feel you have that gift of intercession to pray consistently and see results, then please see us. So here's a conclusion. The Bible emphasizes that God's grace strengthens our hearts. It's not legalism. And so if you've heard anything about legalism today, if you've heard anything about a tick list, then please forgive me, I haven't communicated well. 
I do believe in holiness. I do believe in purity. I do believe in passion for prayer. I believe in all of those things. And if there's been any misunderstanding today, please speak to me. Because I do believe in grace. I do believe in the role of grace because it's biblical. This is what Hebrew says. So don't be attracted by strange new ideas. Let me pause there. I wish some people would less, spend less time on YouTube watching some of this nonsense that they do and spend more time reading the word for themselves. Don't be attracted by some strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not rules about food which don't help from following. Your strength comes from God's grace. What brings you comfort? What brings you strength? What brings you resilience? Or the Bible word perseverance? Because too many Christians crumble at the first sign of problems. Too many Christians crumble and give up at the first sign of pressure. We need some grit. We need some perseverance. We need some resilience. And we can do that if we make available the grace of God to us. Let our hearts be strengthened by God's grace. Let our hearts come to that place of surrender. Are you glad you came today? <laughs> you glad you came? Good. I realize this is a tough message, but I believe it's God's word for us. Amen. I do. And I, I, I want to preach that to the best of my ability with all my heart. And next week we'll continue with the other three points. Team, we're going to come and lead us as as we conclude in a, a great old hymn that really follows on from this. Chris, while they're doing that, why don't you quickly come and do the announcements as the guys are getting set up. The hymn is all to Jesus, I surrender. And make that your prayer this morning. Make that something that's relevant in your heart. Make that your desire this morning. Thank you. Just run through the announcements quickly. So those who are watching us online, we thank you for tuning in and um, we welcome you. If there's anyone new here, if you've come here for the first time, uh, you should have received an online connect card. But you, if you haven't, please reach out to the church leaders and the volunteers and uh, they'll be able to help you with an online connect card. Uh, sorry, with the welcome card, and also those watching online, you can find the online connect card um, at the church website. Um, on the 1st of December, Harold and Sinead are hosting a games night. This is for ages 12 plus. It's at 6.30 p.m. And uh, of course, Harold and Sinead will give out the details of uh, where it's going to be held um, and if you're interested, you can reach out Harold and Sinead or any one of the church leaders to know more about that. Um, ladies retreat on the 2nd of December. All the men look happy. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> We're going to pray as well. We're going to pray that the ladies retreat go really well. 
<laughs> and do a little bit of golf. <laughs> so it's on the 2nd of December, 10 a.m. Uh, if you want to know more about that, uh, please reach out to Kerry or Bev. Uh, before I go into the next slide, um, some of you may know one of my, a mutual friend of Bethany and I named Praise. Uh, she came down here uh, from India. She's doing her master's up north. And she's connected to the church called Penkel Fellowship Church, uh, which is now known as the Light Church. I even spoke to the pastor of that church, uh, Pastor Dan, uh, Dan Chan, and uh, I felt that you know our churches have a similar vision, and I, and I believe that in the future we'll have an opportunity to uh, connect as a united church. Um, I believe that, and um, she gave out her testimony in the church, and it was. Uh, recorded live in the stream, and um, Pastor Dan uh, um, allowed us to use that testimony. So before I go into the next slide, it's relevant. This testimony is relevant uh, to this slide. So Bethany, if you can quickly uh, play that video, thank you. Um, it's nice to see you. I'm from the country of India, and I was one of those kids in the video. Uh, I mean, not this video, but I was one of the kids that received uh, a box. And um, so I got the box that said 10 to 14 years old. I was 12. Um, um, so that works. It, the time at which that box met me was uh, before I had a relationship with Christ. It was before I met God, and uh, my parents uh, were in the Lord, and I was the troublesome kid, you know, the kid who was always outside of class, the kid that every teacher goes, oh, praise, you want to go, yeah, I was that kid. So um, I got into trouble a lot, so obviously my parents were very annoyed at me a lot of the time, and they were having a hard time, and I mean, uh, financially, we were crashing, we were in debt. We were praying about that. Um, I'm sorry. It it was so powerful to me that at that time, somebody sent a box in which there was a notebook. And I opened that notebook, and there was a small post-it note with a Sharpie uh, written small note that said, study well, little girl. And just the day before that, I uh, got my results back, and I had failed five out of six subjects. So I had been thrashed. Uh, everyone in the house was mad because I was going to fail this class. Um, there was no doubt about that. But at the time, I'm sorry, at the time where no one around me could tell me about the call of God in my life, God sent me a box from overseas. Yeah? And... Um, I, I don't know. It sounds it sounds far fetched, doesn't it? There was a, there was a tiny little hand puppet in there. Um, so my sister used to play with that when she was little. But um, as my church started to grow, there were little kids that would come in, and I would use that hand puppet to tell them stories. I, I, that would, that puppet would be Joseph one week, one week, and David the next week, and uh, you know, I started from there, from that notebook, and from that hand puppet. And I went on to lead a team of 50 volunteers and have around 500 kids for Children's Church. Um, this year, um, in, in the May of this year, when we had VBS back in Mangalore, it started with a blue and white checkered puppet that was sent in their box. Because somebody somewhere believed that I had the call of God. Yeah? And 
that notebook i still um i still have it it um that's where i write every prophecy that is spoken over me everything that god has told me about myself that i need to remind myself about and when i received it i did not realize that i would be standing here today in england pursuing my second masters um and that whoever person whoever that was sent a prophecy to me yeah they sent they said that you will study well little girl you will do well in life at a point that nobody else believed it i am doing well <laughs> yeah and um what they did not know is that the person that they invested into i am working i'm a child psychologist i work with hundreds of children i i am in the business of changing lives and i would never have become this person if they had not given me that tiny little push a tiny little post it note you, you guys you don't realize when you're writing it you don't realize when you're sowing the bible says that faith like a mustard seed you know why because a mustard seed is tiny but if you've ever seen that tree grow you know it means business yeah and and the bible says until a grain of wheat dies there is no use to it and i'm i'm encouraging you guys to send a tiny packet of faith because some child somewhere does not have a family who has the capacity to believe it's not that they don't want to it's just that the finances will not allow it the situation will not allow it the society will not allow it and they need a tiny little push maybe just a shoe box you know it's it's like this step like unless i get up on it's just half a foot but that means the difference between me being on stage and me being downstairs you see what i mean it's just half a foot isn't it so when you're packing your shoe boxes i encourage you guys to say a little prayer because some girl or boy somewhere who's got a huge call of god is struggling to believe that god loves them and that they're worth the investment that god has made so when you send that gift you're doing what christ did with us giving without expecting in return but um people like me will turn up in your church as returns so uh thank you so much for giving so far and it's a pleasure to be here praise god lovely so the box that she was talking about is done by an organization a shoe box box basically they put in all of the things that she was talking about and they send it out to uh, different places i exactly don't know if david sorry what inspires samaritan's purse yeah okay so uh that's what she was talking about uh, but bethany if you can put the next slide yeah so similar to that um we are having a christmas program joint christmas program and thank god for technology that allows us to connect with pakistan with the kids they're going to be dressed up there and uh, with all of the money that you are sending they're going to be making these sort of boxes and they're going to give it out to these kids and i encourage you uh, even as she said in the testimony that um, we don't know the seed that we are sowing it could be a tiny little mustard seed of faith but it could 
minister to some kids somewhere in the world, in this case in Pakistan, and you never know that these people will be in churches ministering all over the world. So I encourage you, the details of uh, how you need to send is on the screen, and if you can put a reference as Pakistan, this is a different account to the church account, if you can do that. Thank you very much. God bless you. To the next slide, please. Uh, for those who have lost someone in the past year, for those who know someone who have lost someone in the past year, this is a good course for you, a six-week course. Um, and uh, it is going to be in early January 2024. Um, it's called a bereavement journey. And um, it's for those who, who have lost somebody. It's a place where you can come uh, and connect and be encouraged. And um, you know, if you want more details, you can contact Kerry or David. And the last thing. Oh, sorry, almost the last thing, um, is the 21-day fast. Um, looking forward to the soup and no. <laughs> so if you want to detox, uh, just make sure, take two or three days before the fast. Like David said last week, just detox and be ready for the fast. We get into the word, into prayer, and see what God has for us for the next year. Uh, and the last slide, please. Uh, giving. I just remembered this morning that Jesus said somewhere, I'm sorry I don't have the scripture, but he said that money is the least in the kingdom of God which you can put faith on and trust God. I can't believe he said the least because there are so many other things that we put up front like healing and, uh, you know, for all our needs and all of that. But God says money is the least in the kingdom of God. And if you can't trust God with money, then how can you trust him with healing or with whatever else that you're believing for all the big things? So I believe that God is trying to say that more than the money that you give, it is the heart that you give. Are you willing to trust God to give? So if you want to give to the kingdom of God, you've got the details up there. And if you've missed out on uh, any of the announcement slides, if it was too quick, Bethany, Rose, and Faith, they're doing a wonderful job in media. But if it was too quick, you can always go up uh, on the YouTube stream and look up the slides once again. And these are your ways to give. So the guys, it's up to you. Thank you so much for being patient. God bless you.
So, Father, we pray that that would not just be a song that we sing, but a life that we lead. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious towards you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your patience. We're a little bit longer than normal today. Please stay for some tea and coffee if you're able to do that. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless.